0: Sean Sires. I'm Darren Pritchett. We are joined, as always, on this Tuesday by Brian Driscoll. does great work covering the Fighting Irish, and he is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com, a Sports Illustrated website that follows Notre Dame athletics, specifically Notre Dame football. And he is ready to talk some football, and I'm sure he is probably ready to talk about his Cincinnati Reds, who will take on the Braves. <laughs> Tomorrow in game one of their best of three wild card series with the way Cincinnati finished the year. you got to feel good about that.
1: Yeah, if only they had some hitting that gave me some optimism that they could actually (laughs) win a a long playoff series against other teams with good pitchers. But I'll tell you what, their pitching staff this year has been outstanding.
0: I'll tell you what, in a three-game series when you can throw Bauer, Out there, you got Castillo and Gray. That gives you one heck of a chance. In fact, that might be the best one, two, three in the National League.
1: Well, and then you throw Molly into the bullpen in that situation. You know, coming off in long relief, or or even in a better situation for him, if he can just come in and pitch two innings and throw really hard. You know, because he's got really good stuff too. So they just got to figure out a way to get that lineup to to start putting some runs on the board. They don't need a lot. I mean, the way that they pitch and their bullpen with Amir Garrett's been really good. If they can just get some kind of clutch offense, you know, maybe they could make, you know, win a series or two.
0: Sure. Well, I know you'll be thrilled to hear that Sean Vince and I all picked the Reds to beat Atlanta. So. <laughs> oh,
1: man, they're doomed. Yeah. They're done. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <Okay. laughs>
0: we mean no harm, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Brian talking Notre Dame football. Heather Denich had the chance to talk to Brian Kelly today. And to sum it up, Brian believes they'll start practicing tomorrow. 90% of the team is his expectation that will take the field Saturday for practice. And they're going to make some alterations to their pregame meal. They're going to make sure they stay spread out because that appears to be one of the culprits of the issue they had last week. I'll just ask you open-ended with your sources, people you talk to, do you have a feel for where the Irish are right now, and are you hearing kind of similar things from what we heard from Brian Kelly today?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. I was I was surprised with their transparency, to be completely honest with you. You know, when when I was getting the numbers that I was getting, that it was going to be in the 30s of players that are out, and that they, and a lot of them were going to be guys that tested positive, I thought to myself, there's no way Notre Dame's going to release that. They're they're going to wait until they can say, Hey, you know, it's better than, than you thought, but you know, kudos to them for being transparent with it and putting the numbers out there and owning it and doing the research to find out what was going on. And And that's why, you know, in my opinion, that's why they stayed radio silent. You know, you, you need to make sure that you get the complete picture out there and let people know what was going on. I would love it if they would do that with the local media, but Hey, they did it with the SPN. And it is what it is. But um, you know, it, tracks with everything that i had been told behind the scenes this entire time which is this is a lot more spread than people might have originally realized
2: so if if they are practicing tomorrow as this report at at espn uh, says and they've got close to 90 percent of the team back this weekend like like they're saying what's your confidence level that they'll be ready to play florida state a week from saturday
1: I'm I'm extremely confident in that, Sean. I I think that number one, the zoom the zoom aspect of things has been helpful. They have been able to do meetings uh, with the players this entire time. It just has had to all be virtual. So it's not like they haven't been in the playbook. They haven't been going over film. They haven't been talking about you know install. So when they get back on the practice field, they can kind of hit the ground running and Brian Kelly talked about you know being able to kind of start ramping up the conditioning that's really the thing you have to be concerned about you don't just take 2 weeks off of no physical conditioning and throw football pads on you know and it's so I was ha- happy to hear and not surprised because I do think Rob Hunt and his staff are, are are really first class so I expected them to do it the right way but you know until they announce it you you wonder how they're going to get them ready cuz you know if everybody gets cleared on on Saturday for their first physical activity then you're not practicing for a few days so the fact that they're practicing on Saturday tells us that they will have done some physical conditioning and strength training and different things like that beforehand which again further puts them on track to be ready to play and I think the timing of it was was worked out well for Notre Dame and the other aspect of it is they actually this is going to sound weird so if you don't if you don't know what I'm saying please uh, you know follow up but it worked out better for them that it was a higher number of positive tests because my sources have told me that the number of guys that had symptoms was very small. The number mm-hmm. of guys that had anything other than mild symptoms was even smaller. And that actually works out better for them than a smaller number of positives with a larger number of contact tracing because contact, contact tracing keeps oh, you out yeah. longer than testing positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Brian Driscoll, publisher of irishbreakdown.com joining us on WSBT Radio, using your experience as a player and as a college coach. If you are in Brian Kelly's shoes, and how do you balance over the next two weeks to get ready for this game, getting the guys back ready to go, making sure everybody stays healthy, but yet this is going to be a three-week layoff between games. Do you have to do a little bit more in scrimmaging or live action in practice to offset the time away, knowing when you do that, it obviously brings the injuries into play?
1: Yeah, I think if it was up to me, I would not have a lot of real physical football this week. I'd probably maybe on Wednesday or Wednesday maybe, I'd have some some more physical thud. But I think this week needs to be more about getting your speed back, getting your tempo back, Uh, you know, really working on pushing pushing them to go fast, get reps, get reps, get reps, and really try to work on that game speed. Because the physical nature of it, to me, doesn't concern me as much uh, as far as needing that work and being physical. I think that the weight room work, the fact that they went through fall camp, two weeks of practice and those kind of things, I think they're at a good place. But when you take two weeks off, I'm more concerned about that endurance aspect, that quickness aspect, the timing aspect. So my thing is I'd rather Ian book and the wide receivers throw them, you know, take that extra 10 minutes you would have done in a team period and put in half field reads and seven on seven things where you can work on the timing more so. And then you can let the lineman do some of that physicality. And maybe, maybe you have a little bit more of a physical Thursday practice instead of a normal, you know, shirts and uh, shoulder pads type of thing. So, I think that part of it is where I would focus more on is the timing and the speed. Because Florida State's not very good, but they are fast, and you don't want to be kind of a step off from a timing and a speed standpoint when you play that kind of team. That's the only thing that could really get you in trouble.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is there is is there a way that Florida State can take advantage of this? As, as bad as they have looked, you know, is, <laughs> where, is, there, is, there, is there any... You know any spot on Florida State's roster that that would concern you if you 're Notre Dame
1: yeah, I think the, the the defense is they didn't look like it on my against Miami, but the defense is is quite talented and and if i 'm Florida State on both sides of the ball, knowing that Notre Dames really only get a week of practice in after being off for two weeks. I'm throwing a lot at them. Number 1, they're way better than, than we are if I'm looking at it from the Florida State standpoint. So we just can't line up and go mano a mano against Notre Dame. It's not going to work, or we're going to lose, okay? We're not there yet as a program. So, let's try to do some things that we can take advantage of, you know, like I was talking about the speed of the game, the the assignments, you know, making sure guys are lined up correctly. So I'm doing more shifts, I'm doing more tempo. I'm going to push the tempo more. I'm going to try to go faster. I'm going to try to get Notre Dame from a conditioning standpoint, out of rhythm, you know, try to wear them out a little bit, you know, push the tempo, go fast, throw some trick plays, do some different things that a team that couldn't be out there as an 11 man group working on their assignments together might make mistakes. And defensively, you're a fast, athletic defense with a really good front four. Attack, 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 and try to create mental mistakes and assignment mistakes from Notre Dame. That's really, to me, the only thing Florida State can do to make this a competitive football game and allow them to stay in it long enough to, you know, have an opportunity in the fourth quarter.
0: Brian Driscoll, publisher of irishbreakdown.com, joining us on WSBT Radio. Sean Styers, Darren Pritchett. Watching Florida State, you also watch the Miami Hurricanes, a team that is not on the Notre Dame conference schedule. How much of a threat are the Hurricanes to get to the
1: ACC Championship game? No, they're they're a legitimate threat. You know, Miami the most impressive thing I've seen for Miami so far, Darren actually happened in their opener against UAB. Okay. And that kind of told me that they were, they were for real. And what happened was is they were really controlling that game. But late in the third quarter, UAB went down and scored a touchdown to make it 17-14. This is when Miami collapses. This is when they blow a 10-point lead. They give up a touchdown. That's when they would go shoot themselves in the foot, turn it over, do something dumb, call some play where they try to trick play or something, and cost costs them, and then that, that's how they lose games. That next two drives, they just physically ran it right down UAB's throat and responded with back-to-back physical touchdown drives. And that told me this is a different Miami team from a mindset standpoint. And when Miami can get the mindset right, they're going to be good because we've never had a question of do they have athletic players. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing with Florida State. Florida State's problem isn't that they don't have good players everywhere except the offensive line. That's pretty terrible. But the rest of their position groups, they have talented players. But it's so obvious that Florida State is not a team right now uh, where Miami is. And kudos to Manny Diaz for some of the hires he made this offseason because they're playing with a different mentality, a physicality, a toughness, where when bad things happen to them, when we saw it against Louisville as well, they don't get phased. They come right back at you. Every time Louisville made a run at Miami – Miami went right down the field and scored, and that tells me this is a team with a with a better leadership and mental toughness than they've had in recent years, which is going to make them much tougher on the field because now their talent can can have more of an impact on whether they're winning or losing games.
2: I was really impressed with what Pitt's defense did to Louisville Saturday. Oh. I, I don't know about their offense. What do you make of their offense?
1: They, they, you know, they have a similar problem to what Florida State has. Sean, which is their offensive line is a mess and the inability to, to protect your quarterback and allow him to get in any kind of rhythm and timing, Uh, the inability to open up holes because not only did they hold them under 300 yards, 75 of those came on one play. I mean, that, that to me is as impressive, as impressive of a defensive performance that, that we saw from Mississippi state from an offensive performance against LSU to hold that Louisville offense to under 300 yards tells me that this pit defense is legit because they held their two previous opponents to under 200 yards of offense mm-hmm. so that was a very physical uh, aggressive intimidating pit defense that we kind of thought they had a chance to be they just got to figure out how to get their offense going <laughs> because that's that's just as unimpressive as their defense is impressive
0: <laughs> and louisville's just the opposite and Are they still having the Brian Van Gorder hangover on the defensive side of the football? I'll tell you what, after watching that game, I'm not a coach, Brian, but there were a lot of things Pittsburgh, I thought, could have taken advantage of more in that game. There were, uh, in pass coverage, there were guys running free that were missed in that game. So Louisville, to me, not much of a threat in the ACC because their defense just can't get significantly better.
1: Well, you guys know I don't miss an opportunity to take a shot at Brian Van Gorder, but I can't, I can't blame him for this one. You're now in the year two away from him and you can say, hey, you know, that that he doesn't have the talent because of Van Gorder's recruiting, but You know, again, I can't blame that either because talent doesn't cause you to blow assignments. That's a mental thing. That's a technique thing. That's a teaching thing. So um, as much as I would like to criticize Brian Van Gorder, and there's a lot that he justifiably deserves for, I'm not going to put this one on it because we saw this with Notre Dame. Mike Yelko's team wasn't having those same kind of mistakes the year after. And, again, Notre Dame had better players, but being a better athlete doesn't make you a smarter player. You know, and so I I think that is something that – that needs to get figured out. Because like you said, even if their offense gets clicking, a team like Notre Dame, a team like North Carolina, a team like Clemson, they can just outscore Louisville. So if they don't start just eliminating just the busted plays. And like you said, Darren, if they had a better offense at Pitt, they would have 40 on Louisville with some of the blown assignments they had where Pitt just couldn't take advantage of it.
2: So between Florida State and Louisville, who's who's even worse than you would have thought they would be?
1: um louisville because i i didn't have high expectations for florida state you know I, I I thought that they would be better than they've been but they also had a very tumultuous off season and again they're just not playing as a team right now they weren't that good last year louisville was a pretty good team last year louisville won eight and five and really the only person they lost was makai beckton at left tackle so they have regressed in year two of coach Satterfield. Now. Again, it's still early, and they've played two pretty good teams. I mean, you guys remember our preseason conversations. I thought a lot of pit coming into the season. Uh, I think their offensive line has been worse than I thought it would be, and that's problematic. You guys know how I feel about offensive line yep. play and how important it is. Uh, but it's really kept their skill from taking over, and, and, and if they don't get that figured out soon, then it's going to be a tough year for them.
0: A recruiting question for you, Brian. You've got Colsey, the four-star wide receiver out of Georgia, coming back into the class of 2021. How important is that for the future of Notre Dame football at the wide receiver position?
1: That's incredibly important, and there's two reasons for it. The first is obvious. Anytime you land a top 100 caliber talent, that's important. I mean, it doesn't matter what position you're at. Number two, the thing that I really like about Deion Colsey is he brings something that Notre Dame hasn't had as much success with in recent recruiting classes. A lot of the guys they got, Xavier Watts, Lorenzo Styles, Jordan Johnson, yeah, even Kevin. I mean, Kevin Austin really is one is the only big receiver that that Notre Dame has any you know looking at. But he's not. I don't consider him a big receiver. He's six two two ten, but he's not going to play the game the same way that Chase Claypool did or Miles Boykin mm-hmm. did. He's got a different skill set. Deion Colsey brings some of that skill set into the mix. So now you get that opportunity because I'm a big believer in complementary pieces. You know, it's it's. That was my issue with the receiving core in the opener. It was, you have these big blocking kind of guys. Well, who's the defense afraid of? Well, you know, give me a six four guy in the boundaries. Give me a guy like Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, you know, Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keyes to the field, and, and I feel really good about that complementary skill set. It makes it much harder to de- for a defense to defend if you have to worry about different things. Hey, if we just have to worry about speed, then we know we have to adjust to it. But if I have to worry about speed over here, but then size over here, and then You know size and speed combinations, and uh, you know tight end that makes it a lot harder for teams to match up because now their every personnel group doesn't necessarily work against whatever Notre Dame may be king. So I think that complementary skill set is important, and I think putting a a really strong 2021 receiving class together, which is what they'll have if Jaden Thomas does on Friday what I think Jaden Thomas is going to do on Friday, which is pick Notre Dame with last year's group of Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts that's an outstanding group of six receivers and it gives you a very diverse set of skills in those two groups
2: they had the philip riley decommitment last week what what do you think's next for them now at the cornerback position
1: Well, I think that they're, they've offered recently, they've offered Theron Johnson, who's out of uh, Indianapolis, who's a really athletic, speedy guy. He's not as good as Philip Riley. I'm not going to pretend that he's as good as Philip Riley. But the one thing I do think, if Notre Dame can flip him from Northwestern, which, and they still have work to do to do that, he does bring you a different type of skill set. Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes, the two corners that are left in the class, are, are good players. I actually had Ryan Barnes graded out higher than Riley on my board although the national services don't agree with that, but I, I liked Ryan Barnes better, but they're more bigger, you know, long kind of guys where Johnson brings speed. He's more of a Tariq Bracey type of athlete where right now in high school, he's just as impressive on offense as he is on defense, which is what was true of Tariq Bracy as well. If you guys remember, he was a dynamic running back and kick returner in high school as well. That was learning to play corner. Well, Johnson's a very similar type of athlete. So again, You've got, you've got Ryan Barnes, who's 6'2", 190, Chance Tucker, six foot, long arms. And then you bring in Theron Johnson, who's got speed and athleticism. It really gives you a nice complement in that group. Uh, so I think he's someone they'll focus on. But getting Clarence Lewis to develop a little faster than you thought, and you have Ramon Henderson, you're okay there numbers-wise. I think now you take your chances with Johnson. If you don't get him, you've got to really focus in on making sure that you get a strong class in 2022. So Johnson... In 2022 is where I would focus my efforts on if if I was Notre Dame because they don't necessarily need a third cornerback in this class.
0: Brian, what is happening right now at irishbreakdown.com? Well,
1: obviously we had the news about Deion Colsey. We have plenty of analysis on him. We're going to have some analysis coming up on Friday. We'll be all over the coverage of of Jaden Thomas, who's from Atlanta, who's going to be making his announcement on Friday, which is his grandmother's birthday, which I think is pretty cool. So I have that, and then I'm also working on a couple film breakdown features, and I'm looking at how successful the multiple tight end packages have been for Notre Dame. I'm going to take this advantage of not having a game for two weeks to get caught up on some some film analysis and getting my data entered and just seeing just how successful Notre Dame has been with their multiple tight end sets and try to explore some areas where they can tinker with their offense to get more explosiveness out of it because that's going to be the key for Notre Dame over this final nine games is their offense is going to have to play at a much more explosive and more efficient rate than they than what we saw from them the first two games.
0: All right, that is irishbreakdown.com. Brian Driscoll is the publisher. Make sure you check out the website. There is free and premium services at irishbreakdown.com. Take advantage of those. Brian, thank you. Enjoy a little baseball this week with some college football <laughs> over the weekend. Thanks for having me on guy. You bet Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com.